Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Hey, guys, why don't we eat? Yeah, don't call them. Oh, son, I'll be spam. I love it. I'm in spam, spam, spam. Cornflakes. Spam, 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 Yes, the uh, as the band slowly dances and files their way outside the door of Studio Two. Coming to you from beautiful downtown East Brunswick. Yes, folks, it's time for food. It's time you obeyed your stomach. And uh, obeying his stomach, mm-hmm. sometimes me, not often, uh, Kent. Good afternoon, the iconoclastic. <laughs> it, it, I'm curious. Yeah, you, you, you went with the. Some people, when they think of food, they, they use uh, the stomach as the reference point. Others mm. use the tongue and taste as the reference point. Yes. Do you mix it up, or are you always referring to food and the stomach? Gosh, I'm just talking about the destination rather than <laughs> the journey, aren't I? <laughs> I shouldn't. I shouldn't be doing that, should I? I should be more Buddhist about this and. Uh, Oh, no, no. I'm very much in the moment when it comes to the actual eating part. Don't you worry. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> I'm there and I'm digging it. Uh, as we were just before, because uh, uh, we're munching out on Casanata Portuguese tarts. Oh. And, and there is no greater bloody moment than, than the crunch of that pastry. It's one of the great food sins, isn't it? Yeah, and, and also there's this thing, this, the, and then there's the revelation of cinnamon. Oh, yeah. You know, that happens a, a little bit after. If you've, you've never had one, it's, we're talking about the Portuguese tart. We had the guys on, uh, I don't know, <laughs> a few months ago. What happened? You know, it's trying to remember time post-COVID. It doesn't really work that well. Um, but, uh, yeah, had them on. But uh, it's a singular pleasure. And uh, one of the great pastries, maybe the greatest pastry that Melbourne produces. Ooh, big call, but you might be right. Why not? Oh. You know, no one's going <laughs> to... Move over vanilla slice? Oh, yeah. <laughs> snot block. I had the worst <laughs> snot block the other day. Seriously. And sorry, I will get to the show, but you just poke the bear <laughs> in that there's sort of... You know, you get your bakeries and then you get your old-fashioned shit bakeries. Yeah. You know, you get really terrible croissants that look like they're... Salvador Dali paintings and they've sort of melted, you right, know. They, yeah, yeah. There's no lamination in that pastry. It's just sort of this blob. Um and terrible sausage rolls and sort of just oh, yeah. flat, dull looking pastry. You know, like a And a parsley that's been there since grandma was a kid. Yeah, possibly. And and I don't know what it was, but I thought, Oh maybe I should have a vanilla slice and it was just it was just corn flour and water with <laughs> oh, not even good vanilla. Oh, you've, you've brought back a thing of oh, sorry about that. regrettable food. The, the gallery of regrettable food, which is, um, um, if you've never seen it, one of the great websites um, in the world. Have you ever checked that out? Which one? The, the, is it the diary of regrettable? If you put regrettable food, it's in there. Oh. But it's all these sort of... Um, uh, terrible ads from the 50s, 60s and 70s of really awful food. And there's a whole section on um, creations that were made with, with gelatin oh, in, yes. the, in the 50s oh. when, you know, cold moulded sort of things. Ooh. And this sort of leads me to uh, guests uh, in that um, uh, waiting in the green room. 
at the moment. We have Ben Birchall and uh, Emily Naismith. Uh, they are the dynamic duo that do Ingrediapedia. And Ingrediapedia has just had its 50th episode. And if you haven't uh, checked out their podcast, well, you should. And we're going to find out and explore them. But uh, uh, there was one of the most terrible, the most terrible recipe I think Ben has ever experienced is this moulded pineapple thing. <laughs> where, where, where pineapple and liverwurst come together. Um, and together should, at last. Together at last. Um, uh, I don't know if they can hear. Uh, but uh, anyway, we, we might ask about that. But uh, yes, uh, regrettable food. And this, uh, going back to your question, the snot block or the uh, vanilla slice, it was certainly not the greatest vanilla slice. Because vanilla slices can be good. Sure can. Sure can. I've got fond memories. Yeah. Of, uh, you know, beautiful layered pastry, yeah. a lovely, um, it needs a really, really good icing on the top. And, of course, um, not corn flour and water, but a creme patissiere oh. or creme pat. You <laughs> know. La. Well, yeah, it is a bit of la la. It's a lot more la la than, you know, corn flour and water. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, I've given uh, the cats out the bag for half the show. Uh, 50th episode of um, Ingrediapedia. Look it up uh, if you want to play along. And um, you can get it on Spotify. I will find out from, from Ben and Emily where you can get it. But uh, uh, we will be talking about that. 50 episodes, you know, what was the favourite, least favourite, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, yes, yeah, so we're going to be doing that. And then... We shall be going to... Where's the address? Uh, we'll be going to 4,285 4, Cape Otway Road, Birigawa. Birigawa. Yep, yep. It's a long road. 4285. There's a lot of people on this road. A very beautiful road. Uh, and, of course, I'm talking... Um, it's the Cape Otway Road, and that's, uh, we're going to talk to Dan Hunter, who is uh, one of our most revered, celebrated chefs in country Victoria. I'm talking about Bray. So we haven't caught up with him, uh, but we also, before we even start that, we should probably acknowledge the fact that Dan has been very, very, very generous in for Radiothon. There's a prize for not only having the great food at Bray, but uh, two lucky, or one lucky subscriber will be able to invite another possible subscriber, we hope so, uh, to eat at Bray and stay overnight, which is just an amazing prize. I mean, it's one of the great experiences you can have. So... Yeah, anyway, I'm going to have to thank Dan. Can you remind me to do that? I'll remind you to thank Dan. Yeah, remind me to do that. Yep. What have you been eating? I've been uh, working through Szechuan. Szechuan cuisine. And this week it was Kung Pao. Kung Pao. Yeah, yeah. 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 Too far, I made a couple of what I've done recently. What's Szechuan? Szechuan. It's hot stuff. You know. It's, very... a, it's a region. It's uh, known for, uh, for heat and, and, and the amazing Szechuan pepper. Szechuan pepper. Oh, sorry, say it again. <laughs> Szechuan pepper. You sound like Sean Connery. Garlic and chili. That's the common. They're the common denominators. Money penny. <laughs> Give me some Szechuan. God. Is that a direct quote? <laughs> Should be. Yeah, it's in Doctor No or Doctor Kung Pao. Yes. Yeah, so Kung Pao. So uh, on the hit list uh, so far through, I've done the Marba Tofu. That's the big one. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, the hot pot, Szechuan hot pot. Yes. Um, Dan Dan noodles. Oh, I don't know Dan Dan noodles. Yeah. said Dan Andrews. <laughs> Red noodles. And oh, the uh, Liberal Party would have a field day with that. And the one that has... What's the, Dan noodles, just quickly? Dan Dan noodles is just the type of noodle and the sauce. Right. Is, is distinguished. So the sauce is your dark and your light soy. Yeah, uh, your vinegar. Rice vinegar. Oh, so the balance is yeah. same as in the cooking power. Yeah. It's yeah. got peanuts. <laughs> we, had, we had a chat off here. Yeah. Roasted peanuts. Roasted peanuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the, one, the best name of a dish that, tastes, that is a better name than it tastes is ants climbing a tree. I knew you were going to say that. 
You're only going to say that, and 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 that's pork mince on the noodles or the beans. Well, the the name comes from the idea that whatever meat you're using, usually beef, yeah, um, it, sticks to it the noodle. Sticks to the noodle. It's a noodle, yeah, and it yeah represents. Yeah, and it's climbing a tree. Yeah, love it. No, it's it's really beautiful and it's tasty. Oh, tasty, yeah, tasty yeah. as brew. Still reckon uh, <laughs> New Zealand's that one. <laughs> Kung yeah. Pao and Marba Tofu, though, they're so, the ones. So um, Kung Pao is that same thing where you get the balance of the the yeah, salt yeah. and the sour. Uh, with with heat, yeah, it's got the heat. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's got a fair bit of heat, and it's also Sichuan pepper, but also it has to have those the roasted peanuts in it. And once you get uh, the key recipe, you can pretty much kung pao anything. Stir fry sauces are good like that. Once mm. you've got a stir fry sauce you like, you do it with anything yeah. really. Yeah, and the uh, mapu tofu, apparently named after a pockmarked. Granny, yeah, that's right. It's just kind of weird. It's like, hey, a great thing to be remembered for. <laughs> great face, even better dish. Um, but is um, is heat personified, and it's uh, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. But you have to use silken tofu with it, don't you? Silken preferred, yep. Mm. And it's a particular chili paste that you get. Oh, you've got to have a yeah. You've yeah. got to get that. But that's pretty easy to find these days. Oh yeah. Well, I did something much more mundane. Uh huh. And more peasanty, I suppose, um, in that I had a dish. I forget what I had with it actually, but um, uh, my most recent post on the gram, eat it, <laughs> Cam Smith, yeah. I think it is. Yes, um, is uh, scallop potatoes, and scallop potatoes. I think is one of those things that once you you know the basics of it, most people do it with cream and cheese, so it's quite a heavy thing. But it can also be a really, really great thing to, if you have sort of, um, if you're eating meats that are a bit fatty or if, you know, um, there's a bit of oil in what you are eating, uh, you, you, instead of putting cream and cheese, you put chicken stock mm. and lemon juice and um, it becomes really, really zingy. And you can take it a stage further. Oh, <laughs> that's my latte. Sorry, folks. The gustatorial. Don't pay for it once, though. Hey, hey. It's just lemon juice, though, and uh, and you get really, really lemony potatoes. I've cracked you up with my burps. Yeah, it was quite <laughs> great radio. Great radio. <laughs> great moments in radio. Yeah. So anyway, if you want to check out the scallop potatoes, have you made scallop potatoes? Your fan, your devotee. I must have at some point, but I can't remember it. Really? No. Because I, I I love them because oh, they're. Yeah. Um, why do I really, really like them? Oh, yeah, because you get that really, really great depth of flavour. And the idea is that you sort of you build it as an assemblage where you have to have... What's that? <laughs> um, you have a, um, a a dish, right, that's... Um, it loves terracotta, right? You know, like a, a good uh, um, pottery dish, right. you know, baking dish. Mm-hmm. And you have a layer of onion underneath, which provides all this flavour. And then you just slice potatoes and just, you know, arrange them so they look good. Depends how much you want to art direct them. And then it's a matter of pouring the liquid sort of just to the top and then drizzle with some olive oil so then you get the crispiness. Yeah, that crust is key. So you get the crispiness of the ones sticking their heads up out of the, you know, the ocean of... (laughs) Whatever you got underneath, right? You know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> I get all crisp like. It's nice. Yeah. I don't know. I, it, it's, I'm just just throwing, bunging on something just to make what I'm hoping is a humorous point. Um, before we do go on, before we do get our, our wonderful guests in, we've got to thank the listeners. Yeah, we do. We do. From the bottom of our heart. You took the words right out of my mouth, Kent Goldsworthy. You did. Because uh, uh, you guys have been magnificent in coming to the fore. We were uh, a little bit concerned because of, um, you know, coming out of COVID and, oh, just the inflation that has befelled and is taking a hit out of our economy and for, you know, mere mortals... Um, that sort of think about where money's coming from and stuff like that. And we, we, you know, we understand that money has been pretty tight. I mean, I, I get it. 
Um, and uh, so thank you so, so much um, for your support, uh, for being great Victorians, great Melbournians. Um, I don't know, we couldn't do this station in another state of Australia, wouldn't you agree? Certainly very Melbourne. It is. Yeah, although, you know, listenership's pretty broad too. True that. With the streaming. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that uh, find out about the places, a lot of, you know, expats Mm. that uh, come here. um, I heard about, uh, was it, I think, the High Commissioner of Indonesia. I met him. (laughs) And he says, yeah, listen to his show every week. I podcast. And I went, wow, (laughs) that's kind of impressive. So anyway, there's people listening to us from all over the world. So thank you very, very much. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. Wow, here we go. We're just getting getting to know you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to, uh, first of all, say g'day, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us here at the station after Radiothon. You're listening to Eat It Is 12.21 uh, down here at this beautiful corner of uh, downtown East Brunswick. And I am so delighted to have... Emily and Ben, you might know them as the dynamic duo that is Ingridiopedia. And Ingridiopedia has been going since 2015, and they've done 50 episodes. And what do you reckon, Kent? We should go. Hell of an achievement. Thanks, Cam. Thanks, Kent. And thanks for coming in. It's, um, it's lovely to meet you guys. Um, first question is. Um, all that time ago, no, I had the, I actually wrote down when was the first episode. It was in October, a couple of weeks hence, I think, in 2015. How did you guys get together, and what was the genesis of of getting this podcast? Because you've pioneered a whole movement by the looks of it: <laughs> ingredient-led podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. I, Emily and I worked together. We were we were. Uh, co co workers at, uh, at first at an ad agency um, and then Clem and Joe Did they get? Oh, they did too. Yeah, Clem and Joe Melbourne. Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, we worked there together, and then we were working at um, the Thousand City Guide, so three thousand. The if you remember that a, a decade or so ago, um, and. We were talking about food a lot, and we were talking about podcasts a lot. It was a time yeah. when, you know, it was that post-serial blush of podcasting. Um, uh, and, yeah, all of our conversations converged, and we decided to actually, you know, um, make one make one happen. Make it happen. So you're both writers? Is that sort of right? And what, yeah, what, what yeah. was your thing? Because I know you do, you're a copywriter for yeah. scripts. Same for you, Em? Uh, yeah, copywriter and like digital content, that kind of thing. Ah, yeah. okay. So you, you you branched out, okay, <laughs> on that sort of stuff. And I think uh, way, 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 way back, the first episode was pickles. It was. Yeah, that was a good one. Do you remember much about it? Where did where'd you record it, and how'd you come up with the idea? And you know, how did it all uh, sort of get onto zeros and ones? Int- well, we recorded it right. Uh, here. Studio 2. Studio 2, 3 Triple R. Yeah. Middle I mean, one. Yeah, so we, we probably for the first 45 episodes or so, we recorded it here at Triple R. Um, we did it as a summer fill in the summer of 2016. I remember. Um, which was yes. great fun. And yeah, um, it was very much a, a kind of Triple R fostered uh, pursuit. So yeah, very, very pleased to be here talking about it. And and let's face it, thanks to this glorious institution, I mean, you know, it couldn't really happen on, well, it could happen on PEEBS, I suppose, but PBS. But isn't it great that we have Triple R that it allows the, this little child to grow into <laughs> this bouncing baby whatever it is. 50-year-old. Yes. <laughs> a 50-year-old. Is that like dog years, is it? Yes. Podcast years. Podcast are, dog years. Are, yeah. are, are like dog years. Absolutely. Um, now, okay, I'm a little bit um, I'm a little bit worried, actually, folks, because uh, normally 
Uh, one of the things that I am able to do uh, hosting a show is that I'm sort of in control and uh, you too have wrested control away from me because you've, you've brought in stuff. It's like show and tell here. It's just like your favourite ingredients, which I, w- it will be a question, obviously. Sure. Um, what's, what's going on? Well, I was just kind of thinking about what my favourite parts of the podcast was. And mm. one of my favourite things was making a snack that um, is anchovy popcorn. One of, like, this is honestly one of the greatest things I've ever made in my whole life. Really? Um, so, yeah, I thought I'd bring it in to share with you guys. And uh, okay, and this was, uh, and and this was, uh, was there a popcorn episode? There was, a... there was an anchovy episode. So oh, anchovy. It was, oh, yeah, the second one. episode was anchovies. So. Yes, and then there was a corn episode as well. Oh, that's true. Yes, yeah. We did talk about popcorn in that one as true. well. All the different yes. flavored popcorns you can collect around Tokyo Disneyland. Honestly, the highlight of Disneyland for me. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're, you're you're very food focused with a lot of these things. Yes. Yes. Food obsessed. Uh, you were yes. talking a lot about uh, going to um, uh, concerts and things like that and being uh, more into reporting about the foods that were available mm. rather than reporting on the bands who were on the stage. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mer- Meredith is all about the food. Was all about the food. <laughs> and I was thinking, which was the one that you said was have the coconut water? That's right. Oh, and you yeah. said, yeah, coconut water. I did my own sort of. Uh, checking it out and checking out who was going to what. And I don't know if you mentioned the chai tent, um, but you said the coconut water wasn't really happening that much no. in that episode. No. Tell us a little bit about anchovy popcorn. How do you make it and uh, yeah. and why should we um, imbibe in it or strive to uh, achieve it at home? Well, it all started because I read an article that said anchovies are the new salt. And so I thought, why not try and put it on popcorn? Yeah. And so all I did was um, heat some oil in a pot and then slice up some anchovies really small and kind of mix them in with a bit of butter as well, kind of like breaking them into like a a like liquid, almost a brownie, grey, very unappetising looking liquid. Yeah, but but, but glorious tasting. I mean, umami bomb. Yeah, definitely. Glutamate bomb. Yeah. And then rolling the popcorn in that. And sometimes you get a light anchovy one, which is nice. And sometimes you get sometimes a whole chunk get, of anchovy You in get there smacked in the head, head <laughs> which is good. Um, there has been, there's been so many um, episodes and there's been um, so many questions I wanted to ask you guys. Uh, first of all, Em, have you um, been able to liberate yourself with, from the, the fear of deep frying? I have. So that was a fear that I pushed myself to get over for the oil episode. Yes. And honestly, when I deep fried those, again, anchovy stuffed olives, that was honestly one of the greatest food experiences of my life. Mm. And I was um, proud of myself for being able to get over my fear of hot oil. And, um, yeah, made something delicious in the process, which, which is, is nice. Which is, I've got to actually um, uh, go with you on that. And the fact that I reckon deep frying at home is Probably one of the most dangerous things you can do in a kitchen. Yeah. You know, rather than set up some giant vegetable slashing machine in the, you know, <laughs> without guards or anything like that. Um, but, no, it's terrifying, deep yeah. prone, and especially um, if you don't have a thermometer. Yeah. Well, I was terrified about the thermometer because my thermometer went up to a certain temperature yeah. and then it got up to the top and I'm like, I don't know if it's keeping getting hotter. <laughs> oh, really? Like, no. It's like, that's all I've got. Yeah. <laughs> I just imagined it exploding. <laughs> I actually learned about that as a, a teenager in that um, in another lifetime I used to have a job at McDonald's. Dream and job. It- <laughs> For me. <laughs> it's it kind of crazy. But I nearly set a McDonald's on fire because I found out about um, how, um, you know, you have smoke point in oil and then flash point comes after that. Anyway, I found out about that because I'd done something stupid with a deep fryer and set a deep fryer on, um, oh, yeah, on wow. fire, which is... Um, yeah, kind of freaky. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it really, really was. But uh, And I remember being totally calm and cool about it and round about the place shouting fire, fire. <laughs> and uh, then there was another breed of a sort of person who was the crew chief who had really drunk the McDonald's Kool-Aid 
Anyway, he showed me that you just put the cover on the top and you deny oxygen. And blah, blah, blah. Tell us about your favourite ingredients. Do you have faves? Uh, Do you have or, or the most surprising ingredient? The, I think that... I mean, it's interesting, for our 50th episode, we didn't do caviar or... We did onions, did we? did onions. Yeah, you did onions. And I think sometimes those ingredients, the unassuming ones, that yeah. are just like... How many foods can't you make if you don't have an onion in, in your pantry? Like You're limited. Yeah, you're yeah. very, very limited. And, and so, for me, it's the, the really unassuming ingredients that actually are the, you know, the building blocks and the basis of, of so much of the Onions food. are amazing in their ubiquity and, yeah. and also in the fact that so many dishes start with what we term the sofrito. Mm. And that smell. Yeah. <laughs> the smell of the onions cooking slowly. And But you were talking about the smell of the onions in the fact that, you know, how do we stop crying with yeah. onions? And you reckon the bread in your mouth actually worked? Yeah, I don't know what it is. So there were th- I tried six or seven methods over a week. And yeah. yeah, hanging a piece of bread out of your mouth while you um, chop the onions for some reason worked. Look, if you would have asked me that to say <laughs> which one is the, has the most yeah. efficacy, I would have gone... <laughs> bread in your mouth. You're dreaming. The green can? I mean, you wouldn't. Does it have to be a particular type of bread? <laughs> sourdough? Yeah, I yeah. think it was sourdough, so perhaps. <laughs> yeah, I never know. Yeah. So, um, uh, let's see. Now, there was a couple of things I wanted to uh, talk to you about. One of the... First of all, I just as a general thing, I want to compliment you on um, a great series and a great evolution and quite seriously I think your voices together just the the dynamic of you two together to listen to is so much fun and I I really want to compliment you on that and just the fact that the way it it, it does um, sound but um, and there's um, these narratives that have evolved through and emerged through um, uh, through the series is uh, is one that, of course, that uh, Ben is the gadget king. <laughs> uh, is that agreed in? Yeah, that is definitely true. Although yes. I do have a potato masher now. In comparison, later. <laughs> in comparison, Emily didn't even have a potato masher. She's calling me the gadget king because I'm well, it, a, a ricer or just a smasher? Just a smasher. Just a fork. A fork. A fork riser. <laughs> it's actually a fork. Okay, you really are fork anti-gadget. And yeah, she's so anti-gadget. Oh, okay. Just because right. I own a rice cooker, I'm, I'm like... Yeah. I actually have a rice cooker okay, now. Good. It was probably oh. more a stage of life thing. <laughs> oh, that's, that, that sounds good. Um, uh, but also the... Uh, the, the what was it? There are other things that... Um, no, no, what was it? Cooking. The Civil War. Uh, well, the, yes, Ben <laughs> has the Civil War, which he kept referring to. Now, the other was about the Goober Nuts. Yeah, Goober Nuts, yeah. That, that, was, that was one. Well, yeah... Uh, I mean, there's a lot written about the Civil War and food plays, you know. Have you art. read Shelby Foot by any chance? I haven't. Yes, well, that's that's the account if yeah, you're going to okay. do Civil War, apparently. That's right. what they say. I better get on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, an army marches on its stomach. And, and yes. So it's, it's a, it was a flashpoint in American history. It's been written about a lot. And there's, you know, it, it just seems like you can pretty much Google Civil War and any ingredient and then something kind of, you know, interesting or weird pops up. Which well, is, I, I love the fact in When the you're fact... a lazy researcher, that's, uh, that's what you it, Hey, it works. <laughs> But, you know, just to summarise, it sort of seems that from what you're saying is that the um, the North, they had lots of food, they ate really, really well. Uh, the South, eh, not so much. In fact, um, it best described in the fact that there weren't a lot of cookbooks that came out in the Civil War. <laughs> not so much. Well, I mean, I mean, there's the, the blockade, like the South were kind of blockaded by, the, the sea was cut off to them. Yes. The... You know, there was just no supply of food, so they had to be really resourceful. Yes, and so you know they were making coffee out of anything they could find, chicory yes. was one, but also you know they were they were um, they were basically <laughs> making making coffee out of sawdust by the end of it, just so so that there was some flavour in the in the hot water that they were drinking. Yes, um, so yeah, it, it was it was a time of deprivation, and I think sometimes deprivation. You know, it's leads the mo- to invention, of, yeah, exactly. mother of invention and stuff like that. Um, there was one episode, and I was curious about this, and it's a bit of a shame Matt's not here today. Uh, in the fact that uh, I Sorry, say Dan, that, no, 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 don't take offence. <laughs> Dan, I was going to say the reason why 
is that he has a secret shame, all right? <laughs> potato gems. Where do we stand on potato gems? Kent, over to you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hold no prejudice. Oh, good. Because apparently there's, um, there was something that happened, the Black Pearl. Oh, yeah. And you were saying in Fitzroy, you had the greatest potato gem known to humanity. Yeah. Um, I may have just been very hungry at the time, but we were doing a whiskey tasting for work and they gave us all these um, potato gems and it was like the seasoning on them and the little mayonnaise with something else added to it, um, sauce. It was it was a religious experience. It was very good. Sounds amazing. <laughs> and you, but you never found out... What that um, what that was? No, and in I've, there? I've been trying to recreate it for my son, but um, no, haven't haven't hit the nail on the head yet. <laughs> well, look, let us know how you do. And uh, I also had something about yogurt in the fact that uh, uh, we were going to have a. You guys were wanting to start. I think it was Ben's idea to start a national yogurt day for you, so that you could eat yogurt at work and not feel oh, guilty yeah. about it. <laughs> Well, it's it's less guilty more. I just feel very anxious when I have to eat um, food in front of people at, in a work environment. I don't know what it is, but I, so so it's the spoon, it's the yogurt, it's taking it to your mouth. It was too much. So yeah. I, I started... what do I do with a spoon? It was <laughs> yeah. a thing that came up. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of therapy in, in know, therapy, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Really yeah. getting over a shame and her fears. Yeah, you know, me talking her through it. I think that's it's like that's the yeah. I come off the ledge. Yeah. With, there's a way to do this. <laughs> Yeah, taking the taking the piss and calling me space yoga that really helped yep. me get space through. Space yoga day, that was it. <laughs> space yoga because you had discovered um, the yogurt in the in the pouch, like yeah. space food. So yeah. you could do yogurt without a spoon. Yeah, you can basically inhale it. Inhale it, and <laughs> then no one at work need know that <laughs> you're munching out. Yeah, uh, unless they pick up on it and call you a nickname that you hate like, for a while. Like space yoga. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was something about a sweet potato sent to your workplace? Yeah, yeah. there's been a few Did you ever find out about that? Was that a highlight of the show? Uh, yeah, I think it was a, um, a a very keen listener. But, yeah, I think that related to our potato episode where um, mm. I talked about a service where you can write a message and um, someone will write it on a potato for you and send it to your recipient. So I think... Somebody, um, oh, got it, got it. And now uh, we've uh, we've talked about the popcorn with the anchovies, mm. one of the yep. most delicious things to ever happen to a piece of popcorn. Mm. Ben, what have you got okay. in front of you I've here? Got... It looks like some sort of American it's, confectioner. It's a Mexican tamarind candy called Pulparindo. Pulparindo. It's, it's uh, if you, if you, if you like. Uh, pass one to uh, Ken. Here we go. Yeah. One um, for you. It's a, it's a chili chili and tamarind. Candy. It's sort of like a fruit roll-up with real fruit. With real fruit. Um, I should mention there hasn't been any uh, uh, incidents of lead poisoning from Mexican candy since two thousand and one. So I think we're safe. There were quite a few lead poisoning, um, but yeah, there's some flavour going on. There's some salt going on there too. Yeah, so good. And it's that real aggressive acid, like mm, so aggressive. <laughs> Uh, uh, makes you uh, there's um, a thing you know when you get in the chin. Oh yeah, yeah. That's called the ilks. The oh, ilks. Right. There's, a, there's a name for that. Yeah. Um, it gives you the ilks, right? Mm, gives me the ilks. I mean, it's just pretty wild. Like so much flavour going on mm. in that. You know, compare that to the kind of lollies that that our kids eat. Mm. Um, none of those are going to give you the ilks generally. Mm. There was one prediction that you made, which um, I have to hold you up on. Mm. When Henry LaRue uh, and his salted butter caramel creation hit in the 1970s, and he was the guy that you reckon invented salted caramel, and you said, we've reached... Peak salted caramel. How, when was that? When did, the, that when did you 20s, make that pronouncement? I think it was 2017 that pronouncement was made. Thoughts? I th- I'm, no, I, I think it, it kept rising. <laughs> yeah. Um, Salted caramel did keep rising. There was another prediction. I, I was just listening back to the uh, corn episode. Mm. Emily found this amazing Mexican snack that was um, Doritos. What was it called? Doritos. Dora yeah, yeah, so it was Doritos with gummy bears and um, what? onion and 
<laughs> pickled pork rinds and you sort of open a Doritos packet sideways. It's like this amazing street food thing. And I was like, you know what? In five years, I, I hope there's going to be Dorilocos carts on you know every street corner. I go down Gertrude Street and... See the Dorilocos guy. There hasn't been a Dorilocos guy in, in Gertrude Street, as far as I know. I'll go oh, check right. it out a bit well, later. Maybe we should get me a broadsheet onto that. <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll oh, they'll oh, they'll be waiting for the <laughs> uh, the first so that you know they can they can do that. Um, uh, M, how's your thing with uh, pasta going? Because of all the episodes that I did here, the only thing that really kind of just struck at me to my core. Oh God. <laughs> when you said pasta does not compare to pizza, burgers, and unlimited donuts, and why would you ever go out? Because pasta is something to cook at home. <laughs> now, like I'm sorry you. to put you on the spot like this, <laughs> oh, wow. but I thought I had to challenge that and say, has your view changed on that yes. during that? I'd like to issue a retraction on that. <laughs> on air. Tremendous. On air. Yes. You're here, um, you're here. Yeah. Because yeah. that was the pastor episode, which in itself is another very fun, entertaining thing. Yeah. To be fair, I grew up in the far eastern suburbs where your kind of pasta out at a restaurant was kind of like faster pasta areas. So mm. it's not like... like Better to cook at home than go there. But, yeah, since going to some amazing restaurants. Yeah, like faster. Tipo zero, zero. Faster, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, I'm going to say that, that 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 trumps my home pasta cooking. Faster pasta. There was, uh, there was a whole thing on faster pasta, which was hysterical. And I haven't had a chance to play, but um, if you listen out, I think it was in that one where you did the La Porchetta song. Oh, yeah. And what a great piece of writing <laughs> that is. La, 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 la Porchetta. And what is it? And she and the the singer links carbonara yeah, with this parmigiana, veal parmigiana, <laughs> and the carbonara, yeah. and uh, yeah. and you guys thought it was uh, Little Tina Arena who well, might have done that. That was the the rumor. Yeah, I don't know if we ever cleared that up. Nobody's ever uh, issued a statement from from uh, Tina Arena's camp, so we'll take that as we'll take true. that as a yes. Um, are there what's what's left to do? I mean, you know, there's what what ingredients are left to do, and of course, how do people find your incredible podcast? We must. Uh, I mean, it's on all that. all all your favourite podcast platforms yep. on your Apple, I've been, I've been your playing Spotify it off Spotify and, which yeah, has been great there. Um, any in Stitcher any any of the ones you, or you can go to ingredipedia.com.au mm. and the other thing you can do is if you go to the website you can su- suggest ingredients which people do from time to time and we haven't run out I mean we haven't done chilli yeah um, we haven't done uh, uh, David Astle and ABC Melbourne the other night pointed out we haven't done strawberries even though we've done tamarind like it's haven't it's, done raspberries that's true truffles no nope. oh, vanilla yeah. Yeah. yeah, I reckon vanilla would be a good one. Are you writing these down? Yeah, <laughs> tuna's coming up this week. That's a really good one. Yeah. Tuna, yeah, yeah, tuna in a can, mostly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Americans say the Americans call it. They have to add fish to it. Yeah, I know. Fish. What is it? I that? hate that tuna fish. <laughs> I got a tuna fish salad. Yeah, uh, we are over time. That's because our guests um, are so entertaining, and they have done such. A great job. Oh, last question, just out of notice, because I, I wanted to ask. You had some incredible guests on as well. Who was your favourite guest that you spoke with? Uh, ben Shuri. Ben Shuri. From Attica. Depth. Yeah. Abso- uh, he's just a passionate guy. He's almost, it's almost like he brings spirituality Absolutely. to food. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He really does. He really yeah. does. Yeah. yeah, we had him on our insect episode. Mm. Perfect. Um, can't wait to hear more. Congratulations. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you both. Um, once we get uh, everything in order, in fact, here I am looking for my song. I was Do you want to play. sing the La Paqueta theme song? <laughs> that would... Actually, you know what? That's probably not a bad idea. It goes like this. Thank you, guys. Thanks, You rock. Thank you. I love your podcasts. <laughs> Here comes the Cabanero. Dan Hunter, after this. Cabanero, 
This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. We're broadcasting to you from East Brunswick, but uh, with the magic of the telephone and uh, transmission tires, uh, towers, sorry, uh, we go to 4285 Cape Otway Road, Birigawa, Victoria, 3242. We're hopefully on the other end of the phone. Here's Dan Hunter from Bray. Dan, a very, very good afternoon to you. Most certainly are here on the other end of the phone. How are you, Cameron Smith? Better for hearing your voice. The first thing we must do uh, is acknowledge yours and Jules's incredible generosity uh, in not just giving away um, some food and booze at your fantastic establishment, but a chance to experience what I reckon is some of the best accommodation Ooh, just about anywhere, really. <laughs> it's a place I didn't even leave when thanks. I was lucky enough to do it. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. Thanks for mentioning that. It's always a pleasure to uh, donate something each year for the Radiothon. It's something we we very much believe in and want to support. So, you know, when we can, we certainly want to be there. So it's, um, mm. it was, and I actually, it was good to listen to the breakfasts this year and hear the Always, we always enjoy listening to people's reaction to all the prizes, but especially to to the Bray Prize. And um, <laughs> yes. it was good. It was great. I mean, you know, it's just so, a classic situation. Wow, Young, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bloke with kids, you know, that thing. Don't go out much. Mm. Can't believe it. Can't wait. So yeah, we look forward to having having that couple into the the restaurant when they come. So it'll be good. Oh uh, well, look, I, I hope they have um, a fabulous time and. Um, and no doubt they will, uh, because you have been at this place in uh, Cape Otway Road for what is it now? It's um, close to ten nine years. Nine years now. We've nine been. Years. We're, we're, that sort of. I mean, wow. we just flew by, but it's certainly it's you know it's been nine years. It's been a pretty solid innings so far. We hope we're there for a lot longer, to be honest. But um, mm. yeah, it's it's it's. Nine years. It's I think nine years is the longest I've ever lived in one place, to be honest. Um, so you know, just starting to feel like we're getting our our head around the district and and getting getting ourselves known to the you know the right the right growers and farmers and producers of our area and and spending some time in the very lovely nature that is the Otways region, both coastal and yeah. and you know agricultural side of things. So yeah, it's been it's you know we can't deny the the shitstorm of the last two and a bit years, but certainly yes. um, we feel very settled. You know, we feel very much a part of the of the landscape and the community, and and we feel like we've made great inroads on our own property. Yeah. Um, you know, to assist us with what we do. So it's 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 bloody good to be somewhere for for so long and to feel like it's the right place and to be doing something. Hopefully that's bringing attention to the area but also contributing to the, the fabric of the society of the place and, and showing others who come to the place, mm. um, you know, what is what is this place, which is nice. Because this whole, you know, we, we think of the whole notion of regional Victoria, how much it has evolved. And, and maybe if we look um, before, uh, before you, Dan, coming to... Yep the incredible area of the Otways. I mean, I can think of Ella Wolf Tasker and uh, moving into Dalesford. And she was saying that when she first moved in, first of all, her beautiful ornamental lake was full of uh, old refrigerators. Shopping trolleys, refrigerators and a few Tiranas, uh, um, I think. But, yeah, yeah. but the, more importantly, Dan, the farmers that were around there were um, price takers for McCain's. Um, because yeah. it was just a few spuds that were growing. But um, I was wondering how is... Yeah, you, you sort of alluded to the relationship with growers, and I was wondering how much um, different things are being grown in the last nine years that you've been there and the relationships that you've made. Yeah, I don't think, you know, any of us could deny the the impact um, that the Wolf Tuskers have probably had on on regional... Uh, restaurants and their extended, you know, extended networks and families mm. across Victoria. I mean, I certainly, 
you know, we we and Jules probably more than I, but we certainly are in contact with other whenever we can be for 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 advice or for a, oh, a shoulder to to cry on or she's or an amazing to one to her. amazing you know, mentor, so, isn't she? Yeah, totally, and, and, and you know, even 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 those of us who are probably. You know, being around a bit, we all still like to have mentors and people we can look up to, you know, so she's mm. certainly one of those people. But, you know, and I think you can couldn't deny also the the probably change in, in um, the dining and, let's just say, the cooking at home and eating culture mm. in Australia. And we probably, there's probably lots of people banging on about this these days, but, you know, across the last, let's say, 30 years. Yep. Um, and the, the, the thing that's probably most interesting from from the perspective of a restaurant owner and a chef is the the more recent let's say last decade or 15 years um collaborative type situations between cooks and growers and farmers and restaurateurs and and bringing those two things which you would imagine are just hand in hand but haven't been always traditionally necessarily in australia um bringing them together and, and, and working getting to work with people um, who have very singular views on what they do and, and have very compatible views to the way we run our property and, and the ideas that we have on food and, and finding those in the Otways has been uh, wonderful and it's been something that's very beneficial to a business like ours. And I hope, you know, and, and I think it's the same, it's sort of two-way, you know, having a restaurant like ours that can show off produce or a restaurant mm. like anyone who's showing off individuals' produce, um, it just gives farmers... In what is probably a pretty difficult time to be a farmer, um, it gives them something to aim for as well. You know, I think uh, we're getting swamped with, and they're getting swamped with, um, you know, industrialisation and they're wanting to be bigger scale all the time. And, you know, I think Bruce Burton at Milken Yard closed down, you know, yeah. earlier this year because because you couldn't process, basically, because it was just, you know, industrialisation of chicken farming made it so difficult to have a small-scale thing. Mm. But hopefully by having us in the district, some of the smaller growers are, are having a crack, you know. And I certainly, there's a few. I mean, uh, Barongaroo pork is one that's come up in the last few years. And, um, you know, Zave and Laura Mead, they, they have a fantastic well, business, but pork business predominantly, but now have sort of gone to on-site processing and, have got a, uh, a butchery going on and distribution of of other types of meats as well. So that's been really good to see them see, see them grow. And you can't deny things like gradation ducks and put meat to the restaurant industry. Don't forget God. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Schultz Dairy. You know these, yes. these sort of these places that have been you know towing a pretty a pretty strict line uh, for many years in terms of quality. Uh, over quantity and you know not trying to drive prices down but trying to drive the quality up quality up yeah. and educate and then working with people hopefully like myself and others to to then bring those prices to the table and show you know our guests what is the difference between something that's quite average and and you know grown in a certain way or something that's quite quite good and grown in a different way, you know, so... Um, it's, it is yeah, that, I mean, it's that nature of finding, um, it's a beautiful word, simpatico. Um, yeah. Or as um, you met one of my good buddies, Joe Mungrel, I think we came down and did some filming, oh God, it's a few years ago now, but he has yeah, a great that, saying yeah. about LMIs, which is uh, like... Minded individuals, which I reckon yeah. is is who we what we strive for in 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 all our lives. But one thing that I wanted to ask you, and I and I did ask you off air so that I didn't just drop it in your lap, is you know the the notion of how um, you know you're on you're on country, and yeah. and you've been part of your environment now for nine years, and I was wondering. What the country or the landscape has revealed to you? Look, I think um, yeah, it's, a, it's a funny time, isn't it? Because we just—I just had two dams flood in the last couple of fortnights, and you yeah. know, like you know, I, I had this dream about eight years ago that when when there was a hot summer and our main watering dam was bone dry, <laughs> and we had. Yes. We had the opportunity to then dig it out. We took twenty, yes. we took twenty truckloads, so twenty ten-ton trucks by twenty out of it, dug into clay and expanded this thing. And I, I sort of look out the kitchen window across this across this dam. I've always dreamt of flooding it, and um, it flooded this 
fought last two weeks, and and wow. then I, it flooded. I mean, it flooded with assistance. I was sort of pumping water from another dam into it. I thought, fuck it, I'm just going to do it. Mm. Um, and then, and then, yeah, then this week we just had 65 mil, uh, which is pretty hectic for hectic. a place that's so wet. Similar way to put it. Yeah. Two days ago, and, and unfortunately, the town, the town did actually flood. Billy was in flood. There's some sandbagging houses, and it was a bit, bit of a disaster for about 24 hours. But um, oh. this, this thing flooded. So I mean, you know, the, what's the, what's the place taught us is that we just need to to live with it rather than against it. We just need to sort of adapt continually because in, at the moment, no two seasons are really the same and, and we just have to bend and flex and, and recalibrate. And I suppose the last couple of years has taught us that as well, you know, that we just are constantly, uh, whilst evolving the cuisine, evolving hopefully the, the restaurant and, and what we offer, we're also a little bit, you know, like plasticine these days and just sort of bending and poking and trying to get round places to end up, you know, to see where we end up, you know. And, and I suppose, I mean, we're lucky in a sense that the Otways is a pretty forgiving forgiving type of nature, you know. We don't have we don't have super, super extremes. We're pretty, we're pretty fair most of the time. We can pretty much rely on a decent amount of rainfall. We do have the warmer summers. The people of the district are... Uh, of a higher quality, you know, we're certainly surrounded by a really great community and a diverse community as well, not just one that's um, solely agricultural or solely not, you know, it's a very mixed sort of community, which is nice for a small town. And you um, are so lucky to uh, to be a part of it. Dan, one of the things you were saying is that uh, Bray is a, a bit of a tricky place to get into uh, on weekends, because you know, the bookings are pretty good for there, but there is always opportunities midweek to uh, come in. We've got about uh, one minute left. I just thought if you wanted to make a, a quick comment about that, about, you know, it's, oh, not, it's think, not impossible uh, to get into Bray. Yeah, no, it's not impossible. And, I mean, I think, you know, sometimes when you do have a place that has, uh, you know, that gets spoken about or it's out there and it's got a reputation, whatever that is, people sometimes think it's impossible to get in but you know what we're finding and as as the restaurant industry is rebounding um it is a different time and people are sort of dining in a different way and and we're sort of finding that you know our earlier sessions midweek our five o'clock dinner on a tuesday wednesday or 6 p.m dinner and things like that where there's room to get in and you know we're, we're certainly here waiting to accept people to come and show them what we do and give them a taste of, so, of the Always region, you know. There it is. So uh, that is the message. Uh, Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you. Please uh, send my regards to Jules. And again, thank you so much for the generosity of that incredible prize. Uh, Always a pleasure. Love your work and um, look forward to seeing you in person. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. <laughs>